another episode of Side Hustle City, the podcast that helps you turn your side hustle into your main hustle with your hosts, Adam Kaler and Kyle Stevie. Well, welcome back, everybody. And for this episode, particularly the ladies, because uh, we have a product that some people jumped on, uh, a trend recently. Uh, and as, as you know, I'm here again with my trusty co-host, Kyle Stevie. Yo. Today, we have a special guest, well, two special guests, Mr. Anthony Couch. He is the founder of Pink Gun. Michael Schmidt is also with us. He is the digital advertising expert for Pink Gun. And Pink Gun is what you think it is. It's a firearm company, but targeted directly at women. And if anybody's paid attention recently, if, if you are a firearm owner or you uh, have seen the, you know, recent, if you went through the recent election, you know that there's a lot of people out here that got freaked out and went and bought more firearms. Firearm sales have actually skyrocketed. And on this show, we talk about doing startups or doing side hustles that get on trends, market trends, market things that are happening, right? So you don't want to buy a business or start a business in a declining industry. Well, like I said, firearm sales have been up. Uh, ammunition is really hard to find. And we so happen to be in an area where a lot of people purchase firearms. So Kentucky, Ohio, and these guys, uh, Anthony, from a, a, a city called Norwood, Ohio, kind of dead center in the middle of Cincinnati. You saw this trend coming. You purchased a domain name, and you decided, hey, there's an, a market opportunity out here. Not only is this a trend because there's a lot of firearm sales happening, but there's a demographic of people who traditionally have been kind of left out of the conversation, and those would be women. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think women have been left out of the, the industry altogether in sense of consideration. Um, yeah, yeah, we found, uh, we saw this coming. Um, my wife and I, we've seen a lot of issues. Um, I've been in the space of re firearms uh, for a couple of years now. Started a, an early startup called the Concealed Carry Co., uh, one of my first. And so ever since then, uh, in 2012, I've been in the industry just looking around, messing around. And when I start to see problems, naturally kind of jump on them. Um, and the problem that we found was that women didn't really have any kind of representation in the firearms industry. So there's all these companies that did things like uh, colorful holsters, uh, concealed carry clothing, things like that. Um, but when a, a, a woman wanted to purchase a firearm, she had to go to a male-dominant establishment who are typically angry, old, 70-year-old men who just want to just make the sale, you know, here, buy this, this will fit, trust me or leave kind of scenario. You know, we thought about messing around and doing some kind of online store sales, things like that. So this was in a way, this was, you know, your wife kind of brought this to your attention or, or what was it, gun shopping with your wife? Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of friends and family who are in the industry and we're all just, we all just complain a lot of the time about our problems, right? And mm -hmm. That's a big problem now because... The firearms are scarce. No one has ammo. And the firearms that the dealers are wanting to sell women don't complement the women's 
body, their movement, their shape, size, any of that. So there's a lot you have to think about when you do this. And I, I would imagine that just based on the way women are treated at these these firearm dealers, they may be a lot more hesitant to get training because they're not treated with respect. Yeah, absolutely. Without the respect, they're not likely to even buy the gun at all. Not like other people that are coming in, like, hey, do you want some firearms training? I mean, and and you have to, if you're going to own a firearm, you need to be trained. You need to understand how to use a weapon responsibly. You need to know how to store that weapon responsibly. You need to know how to clean that weapon. Uh, and, And, you know, a lot of women, they need protection. And if they're being treated like this when they walk into a place, maybe they don't buy a gun. If, if they feel like they need one, maybe they don't, uh, they're not properly trained. Maybe they don't understand how to store it. And that's when you, you know, you, there's accidents. Absolutely. Because then we have customers who they won't buy a, a firearm in person that they can hold in their hand uh, because of the experience. So then they'll go online and try to find a firearm just to purchase because it looks nice or pretty small size and all these kinds of things. And then they'll buy it that way. And without the guidance or support or education, they're going to buy a firearm that's too small for their hands or is too too hard to rack, right? Um, and all of these complications kind of come into that. And I have trouble racking mine. Like, it's it's hard. I mean, it can really be, if you do it the wrong way and you don't really leverage yourself the right way, it's hard to, it's hard to cock a gun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people will pull um, a hold of firearm away from them, point it away, and then pull a slide back towards them. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one way to do it. Very slippery. If it does fall out of a hand, things like that. Lots of people have, uh, I'm sure had accidents that way. Um, but we've, we're working really hard on the educational end and getting, uh, some software put on there and making people feel comfortable. So you're, you're not, you're not a a group that's going to be standoffish. You're going to encourage people and you're going to respect them and say, Hey, look, we understand, you know, you're, your group, we understand you, we understand your needs. Here's here's what we can do for you. So you, I mean, it sounds like you've been inside of the firearms industry since, well, maybe not on the inside, but looking on the inside of it since 2012, you said. Mm-hmm. Has it surprised you the market size that you've been able to uh, hit already with, with Pink Gun? Um, because you're really selling for a niche, right? You're selling for women and firearms, so it's not like you have the whole – I'm going to go on the stereotype here and say men are predominantly the people that buy guns. I may be wrong. That's what I'm trying to get at. I would make that assumption as well. So you, have you been like pleasantly surprised at the, at how big the niche actually is? Um, no, not really. Not really. Um, I think the niche is much higher than what it is, than what a lot of our competitors think it is. Um, but that's, that's kind of a risk I'm willing to take. Um, we're going to do everything that we can to uh, supply that niche, right? What's um, been the feedback so far from from the women you've worked with? Mostly, more than anything, customer service. Customer oh, really? service, yes. All of our reviews, our Google reviews, is mostly related to customer service. Um, and their friends and family loving their firearm, right? Mm. We do a lot of customizations. Uh, we don't send, we don't sell too many standard black firearms out. To customers, uh, everything is pretty much decorated, customized one way or another, new triggers, different colors, floral designs, and things of that nature. Nice. And Michael, you, you've, you're working with the data. Like, you're, you're the digital guy. What have you seen? Is there anything in particular you've noticed um, when it comes to this demographic 
uh, and just, you know, when you're, when you're going through and you're messing around with keywords and everything else, is there anything that you've noticed, you know, that, that is, is there a particular group or is there any kind of feedback or anything you've noticed? Is it, could it even be men like the husbands? Are they, are they reaching out and saying, Hey, thanks a lot. You know, we, you know, we went to another store and the guy was a dick, like, but you guys have been great. Anthony, you want to take this one? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, we, uh, we do a lot of uh, Google advertising, Facebook advertising. I help put together the, uh, I guess, introduce the uh, product to them uh, through these outlets. But as far as uh, doing the one-on-one relationships, uh, Anthony is uh, light years ahead of me in, 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 in ways that uh, he can answer these questions with that people have. Um Whenever he has a uh, question about, you know, can we can we reach these people? Can we um, can we excite them in, uh, in 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 different ways? Uh, my job is to try and find that solution and provide him with the tools. And so far, we've found uh, some of the more um, mainstream outlets uh, have been successful, uh, but we're always looking to grow. So um, Anthony has, uh, we put together quite a few ideas and uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens. Yeah. You were talking uh, about coming here. You were talking about earlier before we got on the air that um, the traditional ways that a lot of startups like the, like to advertise Facebook, Instagram. Now with uh, TikTok, they're not quite second amendment friendly when it comes to advertising uh, gun services. Mm-hmm. So you called it uh, guerrilla advertising. Yeah, we might have to get out there and uh, see if we can um, paint the town with our pink guns somehow and uh, get it get it to be on the uh, positive side of a conversation, such as uh, doing a podcast here with you guys. Uh, I think there's a lot that people have to learn. Introduce people to the website, showing them through, you know, just, just you know, do some user testing with the site. And people who had never been introduced to the product would um, – the work he does kind of uh, pulls them in. So I guess when it comes to uh, guerrilla advertising, um, maybe that is a route we could take. Um, not necessarily putting guns in people's faces, but putting the uh, possibility to customize them uh, that might excite them, uh, pique their interest and uh, make them take another step. Yeah. Cause you've got a lot of, I mean, obviously, I mean, the country is divided on everything and you know, second amendment, is something that it's one of the most divisive things. I mean, you probably got, it's like abortion, freedom of speech, you know, all the big things, you know, anything in the constitution is, you know, some people think is up for grabs, right? You can just change it however you want, whenever you want. Right. And then there's other people that are like, no way. This is the constitution. This is what it says. You're not changing it either way. It's not changing. I mean, you can amend things, but two second amendments not going away. It's a second one, right? It was pretty important to the founding fathers. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, not, you know, not trying to promote that at all, but I'm saying there is divisiveness in this country around this topic. What do you guys, how do, how do you guys address these kinds of conversations with people? I mean, when, when someone finds out you're in this industry and maybe they're against gun ownership, I, I don't think anybody's actually against gun ownership. They understand it, but maybe they, they're not understanding why someone would own a gun. How do you address people like that? I mean, what what do you say to them when when they challenge or question why you're in this industry? Yeah, so we don't. I don't get typical um, pushback on firearm ownership. Um, I don't associate with too many people who are, 
you know, anti second amendment. Um, but if I did, I would, I'd probably keep it fun. Um, I think there's a lot of tactics out there. I think it's overused, um, tactics such as the fear tactics, right? Um, you, you know, buy a gun because this is going to happen or keep, you know, make sure you have a gun because of this, or because of that. So there's a lot of fear there instead of like the sense of protection and mm-hmm. freedom, right? Because honestly, I mean, if I, I, you know, I grew up in a bad area and as a guy walking the streets, you know, being scared when I'm a kid, like are these grown ass people going to come out here and beat me down? Like I'm a dude, right? I'm a guy. If you're a single woman and you're walking around where I grew up, just cruising around, just trying to go up to rallies and get some fries or something, I can imagine the fear that's going through them the entire time. I mean, just sometimes that would keep you in the house, right? I mean, if you've got to conceal carry, I can imagine that there's a sense of safety, right? If if there's nobody around with you, if there's not a a guy with you or you're not with a group of girls or whatever, you're by yourself, I could just imagine, I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me to believe and, you know, we don't have to worry about that stuff. I mean, we're all relatively, you know, a couple of you guys are MMA people. I mean, but if you're a woman and you're just regular old person walking the streets, I could see that that would, you'd be fearful. Well, I think, I think what a positive spin that they have on it, or not really a spin, a a positive um, position they're coming from is the fact that they're an education provider as well. They're not going to just um, some convention center in Kansas city and selling decorated guns they actually are they are actually teaching people how to properly use them uh teaching them to have the proper respect for the weapon i'm sure that they're not just selling to anybody or anything and the fact is they're also you say you're customizing it you customize the triggers to make it easier for your uh, clients to squeeze and uh, make it more comfortable for them to um, discharge and i mean people that's when everybody talks about the second amendment, at least in my mind, they're talking about auto, the automatic or the semi-automatic. That's what I it, think too. It freaks yeah. them out, and they don't really understand it. They're providing education, and I think if they just came at it from an education perspective. I think people. I mean, obviously, there's the uh, traditionally Twitter crowd that's just berserkly nuts, and you're never going to you're never going to convince them of anything or have them change their mind of anything. But you can't do anything about those people. But for the eighty-five percent of Americans that are normal, um, I think you're a little high on that number. <laughs> I know. I mean, it goes. I go back and forth, somewhere in between like sixty and maybe eighty. I, th- I think eighty-five percent, or I think that they don't, I don't. I think we underestimate how many people just don't care about social media and just do not participate. And even in even in New York City, well, it could be the eighty-twenty rule. You know, the old eighty-twenty rule. You yeah. got yeah, plus so, or minus five maybe. But providing the education and coming at it from a you know intelligent intelligent logic logical perspective with a good explanation of why this is this way and how I make it safer and how I do this, how I do that. I don't think that they'll ever get much blowback. Well, second amendment's not going away. We just, we got to learn. It's companies like these guys that help to reach out to groups, especially women who maybe don't have the training. They don't, they don't get the education. They don't feel comfortable with the people who are currently out there trying to educate them on proper gun safety. And, yep. and it's not going away. So the best thing we can do is train people properly on how to use a firearm. Yeah, and I think the more, you, the more education you have and the more inclusive of the, of the group that you're educating is, the more accepted and the more um, 
standard it becomes. And, and, the, and the more people are comfortable with it because they were like, oh, I took that clo- I took the course. Now I understand it. Yeah. That's what, that's something too that we're going to jump on. There's uh, some learning management systems that we are um, exploring that we're going to plug into the site. So any um, right now going to a uh, gun range and getting getting a class, a lot of that is shut down. So we're going to kind of jump on this uh, trend, which is only going to accelerate. Um, I don't think this is going to die down, but this online learning. Um, you know, you've got the, uh, LinkedIn learning and Udemy and all these different things, especially, you know, a lot of these people have kids who are, you know, doing homeschooling. So everybody's getting pretty familiar with these online classes. Um, so, uh, we're going to experiment with providing, uh, free online classes potentially to gun owners or, um, you know, capitalism, uh, is a in play here. So maybe, maybe that'll be an upsell, but uh, no, I like that. I like the idea of putting that online. I mean, you're right. Yeah, I mean, just, that's another just, trend, yeah, right? The, everybody step, going yeah. online, learning how to do things. I mean, you guys showed me a 3d model that was really interesting. It was an animation and it was essentially taking every piece of the gun apart and putting it back together again, which I never knew that. But I mean, if you're going to own a gun, part of it is cleaning the gun that's and knowing how to break it down, put it back together. You know, I mean, so you need that kind of stuff, but yeah, that video, I mean, it was crazy good. Like, I mean, every piece of the gun they took apart. But, I mean, any kind of education you could provide online, I think, is very valuable. The more positive information, you mentioned that uh, a little earlier, Anthony, you know, the more you want to stay positive with the, with the whole industry. Hey, look, it's not going away. We might as well put feed the people, especially the groups that, you know, the people that don't feel like they're invited to the table, invite them in, say, hey, look, here's what we got. We want to educate you. We want you to feel welcome in the community as a gun owner and learn how to use these things properly. Yeah, especially when somebody gets, you know, pulls out their fresh pink gun and uh, we want to make sure that they can respect the process and don't start waving it around in the crowd and uh, mm-hmm. look what I got. You know, if we, if we got people who understand the power, I think with uh, Anthony's plan, we can really get some responsible gun owners to represent us well out in the world. Yeah, I think that the big thing is kind of like um, getting in martial arts is, teaching humility with something it's um I, and i think most people are coming to you are going to be humble as it is because they're trying to learn and they're probably a little i mean i would be intimidated by going to a gun class just because of the power of the weapon itself so i think that you know the humility that comes with having that kind of responsibility is something that you'd also be able to explain to someone that you know not everybody who has this is looking to shoot someone 99.9999% of the people who have these either a just like to go to the range and shoot at targets or b really are in, in, in fearful of their self-protection and have it just in case they ever god forbid do need it we might as well teach them how to use it properly That's right you know like i said 99.9999% of people aren't going to use a gun for any reason besides shoot at targets yeah. so i think that we need to reiterate odds here a lot of these things are explosive, so they get a lot of coverage. Um, they're easily they're easy to create fear, like you said. So the media will always overplay them, so that they get more clicks and more advertising. Because the media isn't about the news anymore, as we all know. Yeah, it's all about that advertising dollar. And so, combating shitty information with positive information is the only way that. Well, fear yes. sells, right? right? Fear fear, fear is what drives people. I mean, it's all shock TV anymore. It's not, you know, moderate TV has become extreme TV. Right, so the only way to drown it out 
is to have a group of people that are positively bringing correct and positive information into the main, into the media stream so that people can say, hold on a second. That's not what I was told. I was told that guns kill 99, the X amount of people, but hold on. There are this many, these many gun owners in the United States of America. There are these many rounds of ammunition. There are these many guns that are possessed and there are these numbers of shootings and the predominant, most of the shootings that happen are more of a warfare, like territorial deal than they are, or they're accidental because people didn't storm the correct way as opposed to just some random grandma getting pissed off and road rage and shooting somebody randomly. This is more like people that are getting shot by these things were actually intended targets. And I mean, I would, I would assume that a big chunk of those intended targets are their business opponents. Yeah. I mean, if we want to put it that way, that's what they are. They're, they're, it's a battle over territory. Well, I got some gentlemen running a business behind my house and two of them have been murdered in the last six months. And then I had a bullet fly through my window and now there's gang graffiti all over the wall by our, uh, by the park. So yeah, there is a business happening. And if you're in that business, you're, you know, likely to be the victim of a gun crime. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, they've got guns. My wife was way against having guns in the house, way against having guns in the house. And finally, I mean, after the second person got shot and we had all the riots happening, uh, in our neighborhood because we live really close to the city center we had a lot of stuff going on. She just didn't feel comfortable. And she's like, go get a gun, you know, go get a gun. And now she wants one. And now she wants to be trained on it. She wants to understand how to use it. Cause if we're going to have one in the house, she wants to know its capability. She wants to know what's going on. And honestly, I didn't know where to, you know, I've never owned a gun in my life. So I didn't know where to start. I didn't know, you know, what gun is right for her. You know, I trusted the guy at this place I went to that he knew what gun would be right for me. But, you know, for her, I don't, I wouldn't even know where to start. You know, I know she wants to go to the range and she wants to shoot it. And, you know, her brothers all live out in the country and they're all about guns. I mean, they've got, we were out there shooting a AR not that long ago, maybe, you know, over the fall. And, uh, you know, that's not for her. She, she put that thing in her, in her hands and she tried to shoot that and it, it kicked back, you know, and it's an AR. It's not a, you know, it's not that bad. It's not a freaking shotgun or something, but, you know, she didn't like it. You know, she wants something small, compact. Uh, you know, something she feels comfortable using and, and, and potentially caring or just keeping it at the house and knowing how to use it, right? But it's just something that never crossed her mind, you know, until, you know, things started happening around our neighborhood and it freaked her out. Yeah. And now she's like, I need to be able to protect myself. Well, it's not even for people that live in high business areas like yourself. <laughs> um, you got, you, got uh, you know, people that saw what was going on in the news and they saw people that were, protesters were marching in like their type of neighborhood. Those are the people that have always been the, you know, the democratic people that were Mm -hmm. gun agnostic at best. Right. Opponents of guns at at worst. And they were like, well, holy shit, this can actually come into my neighborhood. I'm going to, I would like to be able to protect myself. Well, yeah. And on top of that, you see what happened at the Capitol building. I mean, you, you got a lot of Democrats now that may potentially be changing their minds about gun ownership because they're like, oh, wait, it's them too. Well, yeah, it's anyone who's extreme. Anyone on the extreme left, anyone on extreme right, just people that don't care that are extreme about politics at all. I mean, there's people out there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's unfortunate in this country that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are out here doing bad stuff that own guns. And a lot of them procured those guns illegally. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, responsible. I've got a. You've got the right to own a gun. I want to own a gun for my safety and my family's safety. These are people that are getting guns illegally. I mean, there's, 
you, you, you've got people that literally will go come here to Cincinnati, buy stolen guns, and take them to New York and sell them for five times what they're worth. In, in Atlanta, there's actually like a gun trade. I mean, they drive them from Atlanta up to New York because they sell for so much because it's the gun laws in states like New York, especially New York City, the city of New York, it's almost impossible to get a gun. And people on the streets got them, but illegal or legal people who want to own a gun in the city of New York can't get them. Look at Chicago. Right. Some of the highest gun violence in the entire country. Super hard to get guns. Right. Yeah, I think most of the criminals find their ways um, through third parties, and those third parties will find their firearms through like uh, uh, old farmland gun shows and things like that, uh, farmers markets, because legally they can sell their firearms without a license and without doing background checks um, for the receiver. And uh, it's kind of borderline nuts. It's We need more regulation. And two years ago, I didn't say that. I said, well, this is kind of extreme. You know, wow. But being the kind of person that I am, I'm always thinking of different things. That, you know, And I have found a lot of different, what I believe to be holes in the system that would allow me to sell individuals. I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of, loops here that yeah. need to be closed. And for me to only be in this business for almost two years and for me to see all of these, these holes here, it's kind of frightening. Well, it sounds like, I mean, even as a guy who owns a gun company, I mean, you're like, Hey, look, I got to listen to both sides of these arguments. Like I've, and, and me personally, I know people on the left and essentially what they're saying is they're not saying let's get rid of all guns. Like that's not what they're saying. They're saying, Hey, look, why is it so easy to just purchase a gun? Right. And some of them, they think it's easier than it actually is. Um, but then you got people on the right. They're like, look, everybody should be able to buy a gun. I don't care where you buy it. You buy it on the street, buy it here, buy it there. It doesn't matter. Like, don't get in my way of buying my gun, right? Like, almost super libertarian about it, right? So then we go back to the what I, I'm telling you. The 85% of the people in the country that are normal are like, yeah, we probably need to know where the guns are going and where they're coming from and who they're going to. Yeah. Right. Because if, if not, you're the extremist. Yeah. You're the extremist. Like, I don't care what it is. I buy a gun from anyone and anyone and anyone. I don't want the FBI knowing what kind of guns I got or where yeah. I keep my guns. I don't want, I don't to want them walking in my front door. Apparently, there were taking all my guns. accidents too about a month ago, two months ago. Yeah. Did you notice all that? <laughs> yeah. It's just, I lost all my guns in a boating accident. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that's yep. a 5% discount code right now. <laughs> I lost accident. my guns in a boating accident. Yeah. A lot of that FBI tracking crap too is like way overestimating how important you are in anything. Yeah. Because nobody gives a shit what you're doing. Like yeah. If they wanted to track you, they got your cell phone information already, and they haven't tracked you yet because you're like the rest of us. You're just not that important. Yeah. Unless you're some sort of like political enemy, or you do something stupid like or you run a militia, or you do something stupid like storm the Capitol. Yeah. yeah then they're probably going to come look for your guns. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I can't. I don't know. I think for the I, most part, people I, I respect hope, the Constitution. I would. I would hope that they didn't change it and take and start cracking down on people that. Got their that bought guns the correct way and they had a background check and got were given legal guns and still have their serial codes just like little knickknack shit like that. I would hope that it never changed. I don't. I don't. I don't see foresee it happening. Well, I mean, and you go to Europe, and I've been all over the world, and Europeans just can't understand outside of somewhere like Switzerland. Switzerland, every they're I think second on the list for most guns per person behind us, maybe or are they number one? I, they're up there because every person has to own a gun in Switzerland, essentially. But I think you learn how to use it in high school. They teach – there's a classes 
you own a gun and they teach you. I think it's two guns. I think every person, the average person in Switzerland owns two guns. <laughs> and that's because they have to protect their country. We got to start advertising in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Switzerland's a spot. But, you know, you go to a place like, um, like France, right? Oh, it's so crazy. You, you know, you have the guns and it's like, uh, yeah. Like, remember when the Germans just rolled up into your country and you just gave up and then we had to come save you? Yeah. Like, let uh, somebody park a ship outside of the United States and jump off that ship in the United States. They're going to have problems, right? That's why you own, that's why we have guns. I mean, essentially that's, you know, it was to protect ourselves. I mean, you have people living out in the woods. There's bears, there's, you know, this was the frontier at one point, right? And you had to protect yourself. You had to hunt. You had to do those kinds of things. That's where it all started. Okay, Switzerland has 2 million privately owned guns. And this is from 2019. 2 million privately owned guns in a nation of 8.3 million people. They had 47 attempted homicides with firearm in 2016. Their overall murder rate is near zero. Oh, my gosh. But 47 out of 8.3 million is pretty damn close to zero anyway. But, yeah, I think that— It's education. It's Well, it's education. It's There's so many different things. I mean, we could do a whole political podcast, which we probably shouldn't do. Since we're, but it, it, I yeah, we're agnostic. Mental stabilities. Mental. I think mental. I think the under. I think this country's underappreciation of the mental illness epidemic and power and problems. Yes, is what really plays in. I mean, if you go into Wikipedia and you look at a list of all the mass shootings, they're almost all on some sort of psychiatric drug of some sort. Whether it's as simple as ADHD medicine to like Prozac and things of that nature. So. I think that it, it, none of these rule, none of none of this is as simple as just take back all the guns because it'll keep the it'll keep the guns out of the hands of the people that probably shot like that shot up in um, uh, Dayton and Las oh, Vegas yeah. and stuff and the one Sandy Hook. Those guys might not have been able to have the guns because some of them took them from their parents. The guy in Las Vegas probably still would have gotten his guns. No 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 if hands or buts. But some of these guys are getting them from their parents and then taking them to school. So yeah, you would save less than 2,000 people and how many gun deaths are there every year? It's, it's, it's more education and it's more, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is to illegal guns that are on the street, but we're not, again, we can't. Talk well, they've about tried that. things like buybacks and everything. How do those work? Do you guys know how those gun buyback things work or if they're successful at all? They did something in Rhode Island, right? Where they did a, uh, a, a, a buyback. Um, I think it did really well. There was, there was a lot of firearms that they, that they seemed to have accumulated um, but that's not to say that actual residents complied with it. That could just mean I've got this old gun that doesn't work. I'm going to take it down there and get some cash for it. This yeah. is, this was the just clients. sitting here collecting dust and it's from the forties or yeah. whatever. Let me, let me get a little something out of it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. But also, I mean, look at some of these kids on the street, the way they get their guns is people break into houses. They get in there, they find guns and they sell them on the street. So, I mean, those guns, even though they're old and dusty, I mean, some kid will probably buy it if he's out there selling drugs all day or whatever. We were in Kansas City for a soccer tournament. With, and, um, it was a set, We were leaving on Sunday morning. Saturday night, the, they had the hotel. Like, I don't know if you know much about Kansas City. but I was everything, there, yeah. Everything's super spread out. So mm-hmm. north by the airport, they have something like eight hotels. And they're huge hotels because they have a ton of convention centers up there. 57 cars got broken into at this, uh, at this hotel. 
All right. My car was the only one that got broken into that wasn't a SUV or a truck. Not one laptop was stolen. Not one credit card was stolen. Nothing was stolen. It was, and they got the so- they got the they got screwed because they did all that effort. They got in the soccer hotel instead of the uh, gun buying hotel. <laughs> so they had this gun show, and they were going in the, and they wanted just guns. They would take cash and guns, and that was it. So, uh, yeah, they they've you get these big places like Kansas City, and this happens all the time there. The the, the police officer that I spoke with, the detective, said we tell them. Every time that there's a, a gun convention in town, there's normally one at minimum is quarterly. They're got to up their security because cars are going to get broken into. We we do this three to four times a year, have to go to these hotels, take everybody's license plates, have to do all this other crap, try to hunt these guns down. So, yeah, you're right. That's what they're doing. They, they go in, they, they, they follow the gun shows because it's, you know, that's why people are there is to buy the guns. And then they break into... You know, the stereotypical, this guy's got guns, you know, pickup trucks and SUVs. And that's who that's what Well, what do. happens if your gun gets stole? Like, what do you, what do you, you have to report it immediately, I assume. That's right. And then, and then if it's used in a crime or any of that stuff, like, at least you've reported it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, ballistics from the bullet will trace it all the way back to you, to the, where you bought it from or whoever you bought it from. And how does that happen? I mean, it's just—is there like a there's there's like a code or something inside the barrel of the guns so when the bullet shoots? It like engraves the bullet. So there's right now, it's very uh, a very barbaric way that they've still they keep doing this stuff. And there's lots of ways I'm not going to go into to change this, but with a stock firearm, once you shoot a bullet out of it, there's a pattern on each round. Every single bullet has the same pattern, right? That comes out of that round. Uh, out of that barrel and every barrel in the whole world is every single one is different whether they're off by millimeters and things like that um but like i said there's lots of ways to get around this right i'm um, not going to get into uh, and it makes the firearm untraceable right so if i can buy and it's a, not that hard it's not hard yeah it's two minutes wow two minutes and it's really common sense um so what gets me excited about this is that we're we're a relatively new company. We're very innovative, hard workers, reach out to a lot of different places, um, and somehow I was fortunate enough to hook up with our uh, Michael here, our web guy, and he's already working on other projects. Um, he was he's been working on a project for quite some time regarding uh, kind of like tracing, right? Tracing material, whether it's matter or metal, mm-hmm. what have you. So. With his new technology, if we can get that to market, this is something that we could use in the industry as a whole. So when people alter firearms, they're still going to get caught no matter what. There is no changing this outcome once we implement this uh, technology into rounds uh, oh, wow. ammunition. Yeah, we'll see if uh, we can bring something around. Uh, things slow down a little bit with the uh, uh, pandemic, but uh, there's also something called micro-stamping. Um, and according to Wikipedia, for the quick answer, a proprietary ballistics identification technology, micro-stamping uh, marking are engraved onto the tip of the firing pin and onto the breech face of the firearm with a laser. So every time a gun is shot, every time a bullet is shot from a gun, it is um, it is uh, stamped so that can uh, trace it back. Wow. Um, but, but as far as... Um, yeah, tracing bullets. Um, we were talking before about um, people in need. 
and uh, the fear aspect. And one of the things, one of the solutions they came up with here in Cincinnati, um, as far as other towns as well, is when you have um, the response time from the police uh, being more than uh, instantaneous, that's enough time for somebody to get away. So they implemented these uh, um, gun uh, oh, they listen to the sound, right? Right, right. And then they try to triangulate it. And things like that are great, but it's enough for people to still feel helpless. Um, so, you know, that that's another factor. Yeah, if you're already shot, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still going to take them time to get there, even in a place like Cincinnati where we're like damn near militarized with our police. I mean, they're everywhere. I go to other cities. I Sometimes I barely ever even see the police. In Kansas City, downtown Kansas City, I was all over down there. I don't think I saw a cop car the whole time. Because everybody still lives outside of downtown. Yeah. You come to Cincinnati, our neighborhoods are literally organized by the police districts. Like some places, like you go to like New Orleans or whatever, it's organized by parish, by church parish. You know, I think that's how it works. Here, it's District 1, District 2, District 3, and then you've got neighborhoods inside of there. So Cincinnati is actually organized by police districts. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, I think uh, what, what got you into this industry like what got you wanting to uh start this out well actually what were you doing before you started this i was laboring (laughs) i was i was taking time away from startup world um i started a lot of different companies and ups and downs you know and i found myself taking a break and i was enjoying my break because there's so much stress in entrepreneurship right a lot and uh from time to time to make myself feel good, I'd rent a Tesla, right? I'm a big Tesla fan. love Tesla. And um, I rented a Tesla from one of your your previous guests. guests. Was it Alex? It was Alex Brian. Holt? Oh, Brian, Brian Burke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Brian's been great. I think we've rented from him twice now um, out of several. And the last day I rented from him, I returned his vehicle, right? And he's, we're sitting there talking and everything. Was it on Turo or something like yeah, that? Okay, yeah, gotcha. And he walks up to the car where my kids are in the back seat. My wife was driving and he's, uh, he's talking to him. And he said, I remember him saying, I'll never probably ever forget this, but he was like, yeah, your dad needs to make some moves, you know? And he, he's just talking to him about how he believed in me kind of felt like, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, Brian's never yeah. going to tell anybody they can't do something. He's yeah. always, he's a, yeah, he's everybody's cheerleader. He's yeah. a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So naturally, it just, it was like a kick in the face. It was like, wow, okay. Now Brian's telling me I got to do something. I'm ridding this guy's car. This is where I belong. I need to get my shit together mm-hmm. and start up. Um, yeah, this is the town to do it too, especially with uh, guys like Adam and uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Stevie here. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing a lot of big things in the past. Uh, bringing a lot of attention to the region so that uh, Anthony, can, uh, Anthony and I can... Hopefully, find a uh, somebody to help us get to that next level. So it's, yeah, I mean, uh, plus you got inspiring. a lot of. I mean, in in your industry, I mean, there's a lot of weapons owners here. Yeah, it's you know, inspiring. there's a lot of people who. Yeah, I mean, look, state of Kentucky's full of people that own guns. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, I'm always trying to figure out like what's what are people's inspirations to start their company. Like, what is it that made you want to start a company? It sounds like you got a family, and you obviously want to want to look out for your family. And I mean, we, we interviewed, um, Michael close last week and he, he's got a great job and he's making plenty of money. He doesn't have to do a side hustle, but he does it because he said, Hey, look, 
I can get my family to where they need to be faster. Plus it's something that I love. And it, it, it actually probably, I think from what I heard, makes his relationship with his wife better because it allows him to have some separation for himself, some time to himself to do something that he actually enjoys doing. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, he didn't say exactly that way, but I mean, if you connect the dots, anytime someone feels fulfilled, they're going to be a better partner. Yeah. I would just assume. Right. So for you, I mean, it sounds like family and, you know, getting things together and maybe even leaving a legacy was something important to you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to definitely do something here. Um, uh, it's just, I seen that there was an opportunity here and it had a great SEO. Um, oh, let me start over. Uh, so I met a guy on LinkedIn, right? He was talking about tokens and he was saying some real unorthodox things and I disagreed with him. And uh, the next day he reached out to me about Pink Gun. He said that he noticed that I was doing something with concealed carry company. So he reached out. Um, we made some deals and things like that. Now, this is obviously just maybe a month after um, the experience with Brian, right? Um, so I jumped on that real quick. I, you know, I was thinking, well, he's already got the website. It's a great domain name. Uh, this is something I could So this get guy had pinkgun.com. He owned it and he noticed that you wanted to be in the industry. You're, you were making moves. Yeah. Yeah. He sat on this thing with um, no intention on really doing anything. Right. So this, this domain was bought back in 20, like 2003. Mm, I can imagine. I mean, it's an eight letter domain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So ultimately we hooked up and I decided to buy the domain based on my experience and what I was seeing, what was going on and just thought, you know, it'd be really cool to do something here. When and was that? What year was that? 2018. 2018? Late 2018 to 2019. And you guys don't have to share financial information, but like what you just, what, what are you guys doing? Like, I mean, is there, is this profitable? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was never really a side hustle idea that the idea was I was going to start this thing and eventually move into full time. Um, and so we were open for almost two years. We've, we've been open for almost two years now. We've only had our FFL for six months and seven months now. And explain to people what that is. The federal firearms license. It allows you to conduct uh, sales. How long of a process, a process was that to get one from the point one from application to final approval to actually having it in your hands? It was six months. Six months? It was six months for me. Um, it's typically 90 days. Um, almost at my 90 days, the first time I had to end up moving locations, which rebooted my entire application. Um, so that really hurt. Um, so I had to make some quick decisions, right? Because I had to have a space for pink gun, uh, retail location, um, which I would have to pay for out of my own money because the company's not making any money. Right. So I have to buy a location for three months or six, who knows until the company gets going until we get our FFL. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I had to start another company, uh, called this and that where we sell retail things, uh, target Walmart, Returns. No, uh, no, because that's dirty. You know uh, what I mean? I've been to those locations, and I don't want to do I've that. I've been to some, too. I bought a skid off of one guy. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done that yeah. before, and there's a we, we bought some kind of skid, and there was like a blow-up bed, and it had blood on it when we opened <laughs> what? it. What? So we decided quickly we weren't going to do anything like that. Man, okay, COVID, that ain't going to work. So we buy shelf, shelf pools, things like that, overstock. Um, we invested into that, and that would keep the company afloat as far as uh, paying for a... Is that kind of like what Ollie's does? 
and TJ Maxx and all those guys. Because Ollie's, they got a lot of overstock stuff. Like, you go walking in there, and it'll be like, man, they got a whole lot of Metamucil. <laughs> like, that's random. random. Like, yeah. <clears throat> do you? So do you still have that store then? Yeah. All right. So yep. You, uh, I haven't opened it. Uh, it's been closed ever since Pink Gun started, really. And when we started, we were, we, I think our first month was like $3,000 in sales. And now we're, our best month was thirty. Thousand, mm-hmm. not bad for. Uh, I think we got the site first <clears throat> under development. Yeah, not and, not uh, bad at all. I think our first sale. When, when, when was our first sale? Maybe I, I July? don't. It, probably we May. Born in July. June, July. Oh, you gotta save that dollar, man. You gotta put that that your first dollar. You gotta frame it and stick it in a stick it on the wall. Yeah, yeah. My first the first sale. The company was some guy walking in this and that. He found Pink Gun online and oh, came wow. in. You guys decorate guns. Yeah, okay. So he's no, like, Oh, I you guys decorate that. guns? Hey, is this an overstock of Metamucil? I'll take some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, what are you going to do with that pallet over there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but what's, what's really different about what we're doing, you guys, um, is we're, we're staying away from the negative stuff, right? We're not going to force information on people who aren't looking for it. Um, we want to, more than anything, we're not going to compete with anybody in this industry. Um, we're, there is no other company to compete. Honestly, there's no other company who's tailored that, that just specifically to women. Me. It is. That's it is. wild. It's like insane. how, I mean. There should be a woman organization somewhere named something that tailors specifically to women, and there's not. Matter of fact, in my, in my experience with people, just being around people like you guys, right? You guys are where I want to be one day. So I, I have that knowledge. He is. Yeah. We're, well, on, we're on the same. Man, Kyle's doing all right. Hey, Don't let me fool you guys. I'm following you to Purple Belt, bro. <laughs> Well, I, I gotta get that first. I gotta actually show up to class more than twice every three months. Well, Kyle keeps saying he's the punching bag. I don't believe him. Yeah, that's the best part, bro. I get <laughs> body slammed. Yeah. <laughs> we got we've got guys that are just. I got a guy that's uh, can put his hand on like a jujitsu book, and it just like absorbs it. Like all the moves, just I mean stuff that takes me like a million times to do just to be able to get to the very basics of it. Like, he just does this, and it's just like, oh, now I can do all the heel hooks I want to do, and I know every entry into it. There's nothing you can do about it. Matrix, you just plug it into the back of his head. He basically, he basically is <laughs> I Neo. Know jiu-jitsu. I know jiu-jitsu. See, Kung Kyle Fu. doesn't need a gun. Kyle is a weapon. Yeah. He's a human now weapon. Now you get my ass kicked. His, his hands, gonna, his hands are like bullets. Somebody's going to recognize me and think. They're so fast. <laughs> I'm his not, kicks. I'm not tough. I suck. I'm not very good at it. I just enjoy doing it. He's really obnoxious, so he's always getting in fights. And his leg kicks oh, like a kidding. like a shotgun kick. I do have a bit of a it's temper. like a donkey. I do I do have a temper issue. You don't hear it on here, but yeah, that's that's something I've worked on since I was about seven. Yeah, <laughs> well, you just let it build up, dude. You got that German background. You just let it build oh, up, no, and then no, all got, of a sudden, that's Irish. That's, oh, you got the Irish too. Oh, my mom's last name's O'Hara. See, even worse. Yeah, so my mom's that. Teague, which means uh, Catholic in Gaelic, or it's actually a derogatory term. It's actually the N word for Irish people. So. That's what it is. But it means like good poet or something like that in Gaelic. But yeah, so I got that. Your same problem. <laughs> yeah, I got a quarter, quarter Irish in me too. That's why I had to quit drinking about uh, seven years ago otherwise. Uh, bro, that's why I never started drinking. <laughs> there you go. I'm a doctor, German and so Irish. I got nothing. I got nothing <laughs> dude, dude, at 23andMe, you find out what you are. You're probably German-Irish, oh, dude. Yeah. You're Cincinnati mix, man. More, more. So many people have had their dreams of who they truly were smashed by 23andMe. Like, I know people that are super proud of their heritage, like learn the language, super proud of their heritage. 
and then they find out that they're like 95% something else. Their last name just happens to be like that heritage. So like the, it was like uh, one guy just kept passing along the Y chromosome. Yeah. And then all of a sudden just kept marrying into like these different ethnicities and like, so the, like you could, uh, you have a French last name and then all your kids are like Swiss or you have a, well, like, I guess I could still be. Yeah. It's still close enough. Yeah. yeah it's uh, Hungarian or you're like 85% Icelandic or whatever. Well, they just updated the thing too. I found out I'm 90% French and German and my people were from uh, like the southwestern corner of Germany up against France, like Switzerland. It's almost like it's a Cincinnati. Literally, dude, I posted it on Facebook. It's the Cincinnati it's of like, Europe. It's like the bottom part of the Maginot line. The, seriously, like the, this guy loves to just argue with people all the time. And I'm like, he gets it honestly, because like almost every big conflict between the French and the German come from that area because it's so lucrative. There's so much industry there. Mm. And, and it was even with the, that's where the Romans and the Franks smashed. No, I'm sorry. That's where the Gauls, the Gaelics, the, the Gauls, Gauls yeah. and the French, the Franks were Gaelic. It was the Germans. So the Germanic tribes and the Franks. And then, then when the Romans took over the Franks, that was where the Germans and the Romans smashed into each other at. And Tutenberg forest. Yeah. It's all a, just a bloodbath of history there. Yeah. It's my I think i prepared for this conversation. Yeah. I know a bunch of useless information. <laughs> Don't worry. We're going to turn this podcast into some useless history <laughs> lesson for everyone. So, yeah. So, that's awesome, man. So, you just, you know what? You just took the bull by its horns. You had somebody like who's crazy inspiring to a lot of people. Brian Burke, you know, there was something that he said that triggered it. And it can be as simple as that. Somebody that you respect just lights a spark. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, man, I'm driving around this dude's car. Yeah. Like, why, why, why can't I have a car like this? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been working real hard for that. And then uh, so I just kind of get a little taste every once and again, try yeah. to keep my composure from where I come from and what ex- really is expected of me, right, um, in society. When you don't come from, like I remember, you know, I grew up in Price Hill, poor Appalachian kind of community. You grew up in Norwood, same thing. Blue collar, you know, Appalachian, a lot of people up there. Uh, and I remember our two neighborhoods were like the poor white kid neighborhoods. Yeah. And we used to go up to Norwood, see if we can get into trouble. Cause you know, we're like, oh, we can't let them be more ghetto than us. We have to go up there and fight the Norwood people. And then the Norwood people would come to Price Hill and it was just like this. I don't know. It was like two gangs, but neighborhoods, you know? The only, yeah. th- the only thing I know about Norwood is Mark Edwards. Cause I'm a big, oh, yeah. I'm a big there you go. football player. Yeah. yeah. Mark Edwards, man. Yeah. He's the pride of Norwood probably, Should right? Be. Yeah. That guy's a, Badass. We got uh we got Kyle Rudolph, the tight end for Minnesota Vikings. He's a badass. Yeah, actually, we got a lot of people. Elders produce some 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 players. Yeah, because you're not elder. You were you were a West High fan. Yeah, well, I didn't like the elder kids. Yeah, they were they you were claim them like now. preppy. No, 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 they weren't really from. You got Don Zimmer and Pete Rose, and that's it. That's, that's right. Yeah, we do got Pete Rose. Dave Parker went to West High. Did he? Yeah, the Cobra oh, dude. I, yeah, he was the better. He's like an all-time great. Kyle Tuffy, Carl, Carl Tuffy Rhodes. He's the home run. He was gonna be the home run king in Japan, but because this uh, his last name's O, he's the home run king in Japan. Uh, yeah, they didn't want Tuffy Rhodes to beat his home run record, so they walked him like half the season, or something crazy like that. But he was from West High. I remember he had he played for the Cubs. He had three home runs or something one opening day. Yeah, like, it was nuts. Re- like when I was like 12 or 13. Yeah. Just, just some ball players. Guys. Just, just letting everybody have all this free information right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's um, right. Trying to take Mark's spot, I think. Yeah, yeah. there you yeah. go. Dude, go for his spot. I yeah. bet you Mark wants you to go for his spot. Like, hell yeah, come come at it. Come yeah. at me. 
He Come came to since he came to Norwood, uh, Sharpsburg Elementary. I think he still does like every couple years or so. Yeah, comes into the gym, does. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Get right? back, still, come yeah, back to the community. Still like a refrigerator with a helmet on it. I don't, big guy. Yeah, he's a monster. So you're not you're not one of these kids at all that you know goes home says, "Father, I would like to start a business," and you know he turns around with his pipe and his ascot, <laughs> and his his his. I don't know what would he be drinking? Uh, scotch. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, scotch. Yeah. Well, how old are you? Thirty six now. Yeah, he would, he would have been scotch. Bourbon, Mad Men hand come out, and bourbon's re- revitalization hadn't happened yet. Yeah, so he's sitting in front of the scotch. fireplace, and he's you know he's got his greyhound next to him. Yeah, yes, son, you would like to start a business? I understand. As, no, he's, I, as he's petting the stuffed fox on the mantle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into the, from his hunt. <laughs> the background of because uh, I think we all just come from shit in yeah, general. Pretty right? much, we all come from the. We've all been through the muck. Um, but what really pushed me a lot, man, was my wife was cleaning houses. She's, she's always cleaned houses. That was her thing. And sometimes I would have to show up. I'd pick her up, or just bring her lunch or something, yeah. hang out with her. And these homes were gigantic. And as soon as I pull in the driveway in this beat-up car, it be it, may, it breaks my heart. It does. Not in even anger, because I, I hear, I know people don't like other people who are wealthy. You know, you didn't deserve, you know, all these, they make excuses and all that kind of stuff. But for me... It's like, God, what did they do? How did they work hard? What did, what did they do? Dude, I literally got people that I grew up with that were like, you know, when we sold Dot Loop and, you know, I was on the path already. Like, I wasn't going to be broke. You know what I mean? I'm buying property. I'm doing the things I need to do. I was playing the long game like you're supposed to do. You know, quick money doesn't really happen. You got to play that long game. I was already doing that. Luckily, you know, Dot Loop happened. And, you know, I, I found some great co-founders who busted their asses and it worked, right? And, dude, almost immediately people went from, oh, Adam, you, you're one of us to, oh, you got lucky. You rich now. Like, you're, you know, you ain't, like, essentially, like, they forgot everything. Like, hmm. they forgot where I came from. I mean, I'm broker. I grew up broker than most of them. Did you really get that? Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. seriously. I got people that are, like, into socialism and shit. And they're like, ah, socialism, such a great idea. It's like, no, it's the worst idea. Like, you know, I probably would have been cool with that back in the day. Like, oh, you're going to pay for my college. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. But now that I know how money works and I know how uh, motivation works and I realize all the business partners or people that I would have done business with and how people just not everybody has the motivation to actually go out and do something like for real, go out and do something. I mean, you're talking maybe 1% of the population is able to, to accomplish extraordinary things in what they don't understand is if you just didn't quit, you you could do it. Like people just quit. It's and, amazing how much you forget that you learned. Yeah. Uh, to, to think back what we knew uh, even six months ago. Oh, exactly. Uh, it's just uh, – it's almost impossible to regain that frame of reference because every day you just get in the rhythm of um, you know finding a problem – just working through that solution, and uh, and uh, and that's the exciting part. That's what you got to fall in love with the uh, trial and error. You can't be afraid of failure, and it's uh, that's certainly part of this game that we're playing right now. So. That's right. That's right. I mean, I still live. I mean, in a way, I like living in a bad neighborhood because it keeps me from getting soft. What well, gives you stories? It gives me a lot of stories. <laughs> Plus, like, dude, could you imagine me in like a cul-de-sac somewhere, dude? I'd be bored out of my mind. I what am I? 
I feel like you've been you, in Disney you, World like, for half the half the year. Man. Yeah, what are you talking about? I need to be around action. Like I love action. You need the drama. My wife hates being. My wife's an introvert. Like she's an. She can be an extrovert, but it takes a lot of energy, yeah. right? And I'm like 100 fucking percent extrovert. Like I love it. Like I, I got to be around people. Yeah. I mean, I was going to the club probably four days a week. You know, plus I, I don't drink, so everybody would call me and say, "Hey, Adam, pick me up." Like oh, I'm in a ditch. I don't know. How I got here. My butt hurts. <laughs> Pick me up, you know. I'm up on 75 somewhere, you know. I just gotta go find them, or I'm at the club and I gotta keep them out of fights and things like that. But it's just constant action, you know. It was constant action, and you know, to this day, I mean, I can't like every minute I have to be doing something. I, I can't just sit around and and do nothing. Like I gotta feel like I'm accomplishing things all the time. And I think you get addicted to it. It's almost a curse. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say that. It's almost a curse because in like for me, I, I relate to that. And there's being that startups or pink guns, a startup, there's only so much still to do. So when I find free time, I'm not sitting on my ass. I'm not doing anything else. I'm getting distracted. And then I start working on other projects that I believe in, right. That I want to, that I want to bring to fruition. Um, Bro, there's literally people out there right now like, oh, you're a dick because you make money. And then they throw some Cheetos in their mouth, drink a beer, and watch uh, West Wing. Like, bro. It's an interesting combination right there. (laughs) I love socialism. It sounds like a great idea. Cheetos, more Cheetos. Like, dude, you if you're into that and you are sitting there on your keyboard absolutely doing nothing with your life and you're going to criticize this man for going out and doing something, you got to like reevaluate your situation. Like you're in no position to tell another person who's out here hustling and grinding what they should be doing or, or, you know, he should be supporting your ass. Mm -hmm. Like, bro, get it together. This man is what America stands for. Anyone who listens to this podcast, they're entrepreneurs. That is what America is about. We live in a country where anybody can do anything. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want to hear people crying because they ain't got stuff. Anybody can do it. He came from Norwood. I came from Price Hill. We did it. Mm. I had gangs people trying to jump me all the time. I had to choose. I lived in a crip neighborhood. I got bloods down the street. You know, you couldn't walk on certain streets. You had to watch what you wore. And then if you didn't wear either one, they would jump you for not picking a set, right? So, I mean, (laughs) what's going on? Like, and there's people literally out there that grew up around me. Some of them, I don't know if it's, it's just straight hatred. And they're mad because things didn't go their way in life or they made mistakes and nobody was there to tell them that, hey, don't get a felony when you turn 18. Hey, don't start using drugs and alcohol and robbing stores, right? Like, I mean, you think that would just be something that you know not to do, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people out there who fall into these traps and I want to do everything that I can to keep that from happening. I mean, it makes no sense to me. It's 2021. We still got people standing on the corner selling dope, making $3 an hour. When's your election? Uh, well, the primary is May 4th. May the 4th be with you. All and right. then it, the, I'm going to go past that. I'm going to win that. that. This is his platform. Yeah, this is yeah. my platform, though, man. I, and I get fired up about it. You I was literally say, on another podcast you, yesterday. You can't say the F-bomb on, on the 4th, though. Well, <laughs> my voters, I li- this is Cincinnati. So, yeah, but, you know, you've got it's people. It's a little more authentic, I think. It is, but you can't... Uh, I know I gotta be nice. You, you still gotta you got still gotta sway the the people. But I don't want to be fake. I mean, you see some of these people I'm up against. They're fake. This dude looks like a looks like a cartoon. Looks like somebody drew this dude. Not 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 Kyle. But there's one guy I'm going up against. Oh, I his look hair like, like I look like I was carved by like Michelangelo, perhaps. 
Raphael. <laughs> Raphael, there you go. But no, one of these dudes is too pretty. <laughs> like, he's way too pretty. I'm like, dude, how how are you going to get the inner city vote? I mean, you you know, you're way too, like, you don't look like you've ever broken a nail or skidded your knee in your life. Yeah. But you're out here going to represent Cincinnati. Those are the guys, but those are the guys that get the money behind them. It is, because they worked at places that, where they've got a lot of connections. That's what the, what's his face it was all connected before he started taking bribes, PG? right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was connected, yeah. But, I mean, it's just, it's just you got to be, you got to have been in the in the grimy shit to understand what other people who are currently living through it. And to me, just knowing what I know now and living through it so long, it just surprises me there's still people out here that don't know how to use capitalism or use the system to benefit themselves and their families, which sounded like a huge motivating factor for you. But it should be a huge motivating factor for anyone. The problem is the information isn't getting to these communities. And then you got people who are sitting around eating Cheetos, giving them bad information, giving them information that keeps them below them. Or crushing, like, crushing their hopes. Because a lot of times that's their kid. Yeah. That's their kid. It could be their kid. You're right. That's their kid that wants to go out and do the lemonade stand and has it in them. I don't want, I want to buy that. I I know I'm not going to get it from you. So I'm not going to ask you for the money. I'm going to go get it myself. And then they start bringing up ideas like, oh, I, I, what do you think about this, Dad? What do you think about this, Dad? What do you think about this, Mom? Oh, no, that will never work. So yeah. The idea, I think, the importance here is to, is to target that, yes. those kids, somehow, one way or another, in a school or at home. Why, why don't we teach people in high school how to open a bank account? Like, well, what's compound interest? Dude, go ask some kid at Withrow in the ninth grade what compound interest is. It's, it's just, an eighth wonder of the world, not, according to Einstein. It's but not, we're not teaching that in school. It's not just Withrow, man. It's it's every. It, this isn't just like a certain socioeconomic group that doesn't understand it. It's everybody. The I think Fort Thomas Independence is the first independent schools was the first one that I knew of that actually has like a personal finance class, and came and my son took it, and I was it blew me away because that was like the first time. And they're also one of the first school districts that brought in like Brian Weefring to do nutrition. So they, I mean, that that's not like it's common. Like it, it shocked, it shocked me that they were actually doing it. So that lets you know how common it is in different school uh, districts. Well, we brought and up mental health. You brought right. up mental health. Like why, why aren't we, you know, identifying any mental health issues in these kids early on? I mean, you, especially in your industry. I mean, you're, you guys are in the firearms industry and there's been a lot of criticism about, you know, these these mass shooters and their mental health issues and the fact that they're still somehow getting these weapons potentially from their parents, especially the ones who are going out to these schools. And, you know, they've got problems and, and they're not being addressed. They're not identified by the parents they're not identified by the teachers. You know, mental health to me seems like a big issue. And, and actually, there's a lady who's running for council and she's a mental health expert. And I had a nice conversation with her the other day and she said, there's nobody on city council who understands mental health. I said, that's insane. That is insane. No we pun, have to have no, that. No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, no pun intended for sure. But, but yeah, the, the fact of the matter is there's a stigma attached to it. And that's another one that goes across socioeconomic classes. That's, that's something we all have in common. doesn't matter if you're the poorest or you're the richest person in, in, this, in the world, really. There's still a stigma attached to, oh, hey, I need help. I don't, I'm having a lot of problems. Nobody wants to admit that. Nope. And the more successful you are, the less you're willing to admit it. And the more, um, what's the, what's the proper way of saying this? The more, not at risk, but the more vulnerable you are. 
because you don't have the resources, the less you want to admit it. Yeah. So if you got, you know, you can't be the crazy kid in the neighborhood, even though all you're doing is going to talk to a therapist, right? You can't be that. That's just inviting fights. It's inviting getting picked on. It's inviting bullies. Dude, I was getting petitions the other day and my buddy lives across from Taft High School. He said the kids in his neighborhood told him there was a kid that got shot and killed behind his, I don't know if he died, but he got shot behind his house and they shot him because he was the valedictorian of the school. Fact. He's And these are kids, right? Kids. High school kids. And they shot him, lit him up right behind his house. And he was like, what happened? Valedictorian of school. So that's what's striking on this, um, on the purpose of the podcast. So we we just got to keep pounding education. We can't, Eventually, you and I are going to be, I mean, every, a lot of, I don't every, I don't, but I'm going to say 90% of the school districts in the greater Cincinnati area have junior achievement, and that's valuable. It teaches you, like, the very, like, 64,000-foot view of business, <clears throat> excuse me, of, of, like, creating a business, where resources come, what is a resource, where resources come from, but it's kind of like one, like, two hours a week for, like, a six-week swing, and then it's out, so it's better than nothing, but... You're right. They, the, it's time for some life courses inside of these schools. Dude, could you imagine how much time that would have saved you starting your business or how much earlier you would have started your business if you had had some of this knowledge that you know now, right? You have to investigate this stuff. If you're going to start a business, it is hard. Like, I mean, there is a lot of investigation and we got the internet now. Back when I was young, you had the card catalog at the library. Like that's, that's how, I mean, you're 36. That's how you learn stuff. These kids nowadays, man, it is so easy to get information now. Watch a YouTube video. Man, there's influencers all over YouTube right now teaching people the FIRE method. If you're 20 years old or whatever, you want to retire when you're 35, FIRE method, right? How do people not know what the FIRE method is? You know, why aren't we teaching that in school? Financial independence. Teach it. Financial independence, retire early. That's what FIRE fire stands for. I know UC has a great... Uh, interest in this in this sector. I don't know how they're going to implement it or when or if they already have but I worked a lot with UC on another startup and Xavier and a lot of other colleges and it seemed like they all had a, a specific interest in life skill um, teaching financials early on but nothing grade school. It was all obviously at UC so it's college um, but it sounds like they're they're ready to set something Set well, something up like that. Well, we got, what, 60% of the kids at Taft don't graduate high school. I think 40% of the kids in Cincinnati Public don't graduate high school. Like, you know, you're teaching it at UC, but that's not doing these kids any good. And now think about that. Just think about this. If you could get more of these kids, I mean, they're already out. Some of them, some, small percentage, are out behind my house selling drugs right now probably. Right? Those are salespeople. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid of anything. Yeah. They're not afraid to talk to people. Right? They talk... People they don't know all day, right? People that aren't even in the right state of it's mind. A, it's a much higher risk to get than get you know. It's much higher risk than getting hung up on during a cold call. Bro, they should be talking to you about sales training for logistics, dude. They'd be great. We're hiring. Yeah, yeah. you're hiring. Look, I mean, here's the thing: like, there's plenty of work out there, and I think what people don't understand is they're too reliant on the government or big companies to provide jobs. They're too reliant on that fifteen dollars an hour they want to make at Starbucks. Why are you relying well, on that $15 now? Why don't you go start your own thing? Well, I'll come from my background. It's not just them. It's kids that whose parents have told them, you have to go to college. It's the only way yeah. to, It's the only way you're ever going to be anything in your life is if you have a degree. It's the only way you're ever going to you know, achieve 
stability and security. So you have you have segments depending on where you're at, where you, how you're raised, where you're at. You have a crutch, and whatever that crutch is, too many people are willing to lean on it. So you either have government to assist you, or you have PNG to assist you, or you have Fifth Third Bank to assist you, or your mom. If you get up into like Indian Hill, yeah, your parents to assist yeah. you and your trust fund to assist Screw you. Screw all you want. Just do heroin. We'll be here for you. Don't worry. So, yeah, I'm, it's, I don't know. You're right. I mean, we can't, you can't reach everybody, but the people that can be reached, we need to be able to get to them quickly so that they're able to benefit not just, you know, themselves, but benefit the, their community. I mean, how many positive, how many people have, have been positively influenced by someone who's not their parent? I mean, I was lucky and had great parents, but I mean, Coach Perry to this day at Hanover, I, he, he wasn't even my position coach. I didn't. I mean, he was our head coach. I talked to him maybe once every couple weeks, but just watching him and how he talked to people and how he interacted and how polite he was and just how respectful he was of everybody and just how he let his coaches do their job and how he trusted people, like that kind of influence. You just watch and you're like, damn. If I ever have a company, I'm gonna treat. I'm gonna run. Let my guys. I'm gonna believe in my ability to hire people and I'm going to let them do their job. Like just little stuff like that. And I, yeah. So, I mean, that's like with success, that's, that's at a successful point where you're in college and you're watching this. What about the guys that like, you know, the, the, the dad's not around, but they see their na- They see the next door neighbor getting up and the next door neighbor's son is tossing and you come outside and I want to toss and I don't have anybody to toss with. And he invites you over. And now all of a sudden you got a love for baseball. Mm-hmm. Now you got a love for football. Now all of a sudden you're on. Now you start getting in teams, and he, he he's driving you to the, the to the select basketball practice. Now he's coaching your select basketball team. Now all of a sudden you actually wound up being great, and now you have advice because you get all these hangers oners telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, don't listen to that guy. Don't yeah, listen. To, listen to me. Guys. I know how these guys. And then all of a sudden you got somebody that you can actually look at. I mean, look at. I mean, this is LeBron James who I'm talking about when it comes to this. But look at LeBron James. I mean, he could have gone 5,000 different ways and still been a successful basketball player. But he got, he was influenced positively by his friend's dad. His friend, well, obviously, was getting raised by a great father, got really smart school and business. Like, he got his ability, going to be a billionaire off of being an NBA player. Why? Because, yeah. he made, because he had people around him for smart decisions. And that's obviously like the huge, like, once in a lifetime type person that I'm talking about, but you know, you know, get the rolling that back to somebody who's going to start making $55,000 a year isn't bad. Right. You know, right. You still got to understand how yeah, to the, manage the money. And I didn't know yeah. the damn thing. When I got my check for selling our company, I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I just was like, Hey, reached out to my buddy who, you know, was a broker, uh, a bond trader. And I'm like, man, what do I do with this? You know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, to move the, like, it's too much. Like, I, I'm afraid. Like, I was afraid to even give anyone the check, you know? And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, tran- the transfer of the money, like, it's like, this is a scary, scary thing. You start sweating, right? Someday you're going to do it. Watch. You just wait. Somebody's going to be like, man, Anthony, I want to buy that company. I love what you're doing. Helping the women. Help them understand how to properly use weapons, how to properly use firearms. You know, I... You know, I want to buy your company. Be some like guy your, in Texas. There'll be like, some guy in Texas. I like Watch. your information system. I like what you're doing with the tra- yeah your gun processes. Tracing. 
Mm-hmm. It's all about I'll process. Buy the, I'll buy the whole thing. I that's, was telling them before, you need some IP around this thing too, because that's what people buy. They buy processes. They buy IP. That's what make, makes companies valuable. And that's what we want to do. Um, like I said before, we don't want to call out, we don't want to compete with anyone. We're going to collaborate with every women organization in this country. So we're going to have two different companies that, that supply us with holsters, another company that supplies us with concealed carry clothing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the idea is that this, this, this company being ran by a male, I can only do so much. Yeah, I can only right. relate to women's needs and desires only so much, right? Um, luckily for me, we are very early, and there are men who are purchasing firearms for their wives or their girlfriends and who condescendingly will type in pink gun and Google search bar, and then will pop up, right? So we've got a lot of sales like that. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but once we get fully established in a women's market, then it's time to when when they spend their dollar here at Pink Gun, they're supporting every women uh, or our vendors, like our collaborators across the country, who are already doing what they're doing. They're they're doing really great. Um, they're so much more far advanced than what we are. Right? They've right. been around a lot longer. I could see you guys being acquired by another company similar Absolutely. to yours that just doesn't have the. I mean, think about what we did. Um, you know, we built an e-signatures platform specifically for the real estate industry and the biggest player in real estate Zillow came by and said, Hey, we want to buy you because uh, they'll probably admit this real estate agents don't really love Zillow, right? Because they charge them as a pay for play, right? But you want to be on their platform. You have to pay. I mean, it's just like anything, Facebook. I don't like paying for ads on Facebook, but guess what? Got to do it. Right. So, I mean, they got to make money anyway. They needed us because we already had that market. We already had a lot of real estate agents signed up for our platform, and the real estate agents loved us, right? So I can almost see someone who just can't get in the door in the women's market. You guys build that up enough. You become a really solid brand and and a recognized brand amongst women, and there's going to be a big company out there that wants to acquire you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope that's not like, that's not offsetting. I know that. So we've got two people who are interested in investing in the company. Um, and he said, I could name drop them both. So I'm going to, uh, Ash Patel, who was, yep, who had, he was on our first podcast. Really great guy. Really bigger in person than what I thought. <laughs> or I'm shorter. Um, and then Kevin Bass is partnering up with him and I'm in search for another investor at this point. Nice. Um, to yeah, we know both of them. So is that who was talking to you about the tokenization? No, okay. no, I'm working. I'm on another project with all that kind of stuff. I'm uh, just messing around shorts and strategic stuff. Yeah, Kevin's got a a, a like a bourbon company, a bourbon, bourbon tokenization, tokenization bourbon ownership type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's um, in the crypto world with that. He's got to talk about a guy with side hustles. He's got a good he's got a few about. side hustles. Yeah, yeah, he had a guy come on our show to talk about uh, the t-shirt printing and everything. Yeah. The apparel uh, printing company. That's not even his biggest project. No. Uh, that's, yeah, he's pretty. Like, One he, thing. He's a, I guess he's been a friend of mine since he came to our first real estate meetup in February of 18. And okay. In February night of 19. And then from there, we just hit it off. So, yeah. And Ash is a great dude, obviously. Yeah. 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 Well, when I mentioned that the idea was to have the company acquired, it kind of felt like they might have been turned off by that. I didn't really confirm it. We just, Kind well, there's a couple of different kinds of investors. I mean, you've got the investor that wants to, uh, you know, make money five to six years. You know, you got a startup. That's about the time when you should sell. Mm. 
Uh, and then you got the other guys that really believe in the business and they say, look, take this thing all the way to an IPO. You build this thing up, take it to the IPO. And it really depends on the industry. It depends on the, the market size, you know, how many people you think you can address. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a potential there and some people, that's what they want, you know? Yeah. I think with a lot of the other technology companies, I'm just going to pull from their playbooks like Amazon and, and uh, a bunch of others and implement uh, all that into Pink Gun. We should be able to do an acquisition, I say, I hope, by 2025. Um, not too much doubt in my mind, man. I don't we're think that's thinking, too aggressive. No. no. I mean, I think we're hauling ass. Not with the momentum that the firearms industry has right now. Yeah. Yeah. And even when it slows down. So here's here's what makes us so great. Like I said before, this industry is full of people who are not innovative at all. I'm just going to say it like that, no. right? The only innovative people in the market, uh, firearms or concealed carry, are women, period. That's just the truth. That's just the way it is. I spent two years looking at this, and that's just That's, that's just where the, the opportunity is. Yes. Women are the only ones who are implementing videos, technology, right? All of these these great, this kind of great content. Dudes are just like, I'm going to the range. Here's this cool it's gun with some about. blood all over it. You know, some, you know, it's just, they're just I'm different. clean my gun and go to the range and clean it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just different. That's um, awesome, man. But yeah. having all of them together and being able to collaborate, and they have taken, they've taken me in easier than what I thought that they would. I thought there was, I was going to have a lot of pushback because I'm a male trying to do yeah, this right. thing. And I could imagine that there has been men in the past who have done this before um, who probably obviously didn't succeed. Maybe they haven't done it at all yet. I don't know. Um, but we're, we're hauling ass, man. We're doing a lot of really great things. We, did, we made a lot of money in six months. We, we sold a lot of firearms, a lot of customizations, a um, lot of happy customers. And we finally landed a you know, a borderline deal with two really great, really incredible, uh, reputable investors here in Cincinnati, right? Well, and especially with Ash, he's been around the block. He knows how to run a business. Yeah, and, and he's a gangster, man. He He's already had me, look at this place, look at this place. How about this? And he's been in touch, right? Well, and plus, I mean, Ash, I mean, honestly, if, if you're going to have a storefront and you need to expand a storefront, you want somebody to work on your deal? Whatever lease deal you end up getting with a with a retailer, or shoot, you yeah. could probably move into one of his places. Exactly. He's got plenty of them. He already offered one of those yeah. places. Yeah, we went and looked at it. Looked great. Looks like it'll work for us. Um, but we're looking for another investor to come in and take on some of the risk with us um, because we're not just gonna. Well, you need to grow. You need yes. to grow the business. You guys got to focus on. I mean, eventually, you need to get out of the business. You need to get out of working in the business and 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 you know customizing these weapons. You need to hire staff. And you need to grow and you need to be the one who figures out where the next opportunity is. How are we going to grow this business? You work on the business, not in the business. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We want to uh, automate everything from A to B, which can be done with just one or two people in a staff um, for processing. Disassembly cannot be mm. done automated, right? Um, but automating a lot of the process is going to save us a lot of time and money, a, yeah. lot of, um, a lot of touch-up work and things like that. We're without the automation kind of opens us up for um, failure as far as design flaws and things like that. So sure. it's either touch up or we have to redo it again, um, which is why we need to automate, which is capital, right? That we don't have. Um, yeah. So hopefully they can come on. Well, you need to take this from a lifestyle business from, you know, something that's just essentially supporting you and your, and your staff to an investable business. Yeah which is, you know, reoccurring revenue and all those things, you yeah, know, I something mean, that you could show. 
I think we're probably the only company also in the country that pays, like a lot of the time we pay retail costs for all of our firearms because we have no money. Yeah. I don't have any money. We came from Norwood, right? Yeah, so right. I'm broke as it is. Yeah. And I, w- I had my full-time job, so I was working on Pink Gun at the, on the side until Pink Gun just got so slammed because we have a, a great tech. And so I quit my job, came here, and I have to use that money to invest back into the company, for, most importantly for marketing. This is what people don't understand. They don't understand. If you're an entrepreneur, don't expect to just stick a bunch of money in your pocket the first couple of years. I mean, you're reinvesting in the company if you're smart. Oh, yeah. If you yeah. want your company to fail and you want to go right back to that nine to five life, then, you know. That's like prison for me. I'm not going back. I no, scrapped dude. metal just last weekend to make sure I wouldn't go back. That's you right. Know? So I needed the money and uh, I'll do whatever it takes, man. But um, that's real hustle right there. We're going to make sure we get this to where it needs to be and the right way where you can't half ass anything. We can't just, I need someone who's going to give us money on, I don't care how it is. Just allow us to spend their money on things that we need to do to not only improve our software, but our education and be able to get it out to people. But you've got the vision. Oh, yeah. You've got the vision. You can can explain what you're going to do with that money and how it's going to be spent and why it's going to lead to additional revenue and growth. Yes, this is the only way it's going to lead to additional revenue and growth. This is the only way. You know what? I mean, it's, it's good that you recognize this because a lot of entrepreneurs will spend years just plugging along trying to save money to do something and you could miss an opportunity. You can miss a trend right now. The trend is hot. Yeah. We're going to, the trend, you got to for... admit that you need money. You got to have, be, have, you know, have the, uh, you know, the understanding, the, the, you know, being able to look intrinsically and say, I can't do this on my own. I need help. I need help. I need financial help. This, this trend is going to pass if I don't hurry up and get on it. And we need to, or competitor comes in with, with money. And then just knocks you out the game. So you really have to, you have to jump on it. You see it, you got the vision, jump on it. Other people will have, you know, they'll see there's an opportunity here and and they'll get in on it if they're smart. Oh yeah, absolutely. I have no doubt once we implement the technology, the education aspect of our website, we we might get some offers shortly after that from, uh, I guess I can name drop here too. Yeah, go. Uh, Athletica. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, We're yeah. We're familiar yeah, with yeah. Athletica? Yeah, sure. They have a concealed carry line that's called Alexo Athletica. Oh. Right? And so we are we have a dialogue with Alexa. Alexo, we've got dialogues with uh, Eclipse Holsters, uh, Well-Armed Women Associations. All these women really appreciate what we're trying to do here, and they are willing to help any way that they can. Right? Do you have your so investor I, deck up? I'm sorry? Do you have an investor deck? No. No. I don't yeah, have definitely time for get this. that. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I talk. What I'm saying, you need to get an investor deck up, so even a that, little ten pager, so that you can pitch it to them. And because of a lot of these associations, I mean, NRA is full of a lot of wealthy people. Um, and then if if you're in these different organizations that you're that you're speaking of, you're going to have to be able to present something to them, showing, hey, this is what this is what uh, cost per per gun is for. On average, I mean, everyone's different because they're all they've all been personalized. Um, this is what we're buying right now. We're purchasing guns at retail, with with influence or with more money, we'd be able to buy in bulk. Get a get a major know, discount. I, major I don't even discount. know if you can buy guns in bulk. Yes, I'm just saying, this is just very generic. But yeah, an investor deck would go a long way, just so people can visualize where you guys are looking at financially, where your five and ten year plans are, so that they are not like guessing. 
at what you're at what you're saying. They can follow along with you and say, okay, this industry is growing this much, and you cite to your source, and they're not hard to find. Yeah, uh, we project that it's going to grow this much. We project that our sales are going to go to here. Our sales this past year were here. Osh is going to be able to help you with this. So is Bass. But I just wanted to throw that out there, give you guys something to start kicking around, look at other investor decks that are out there so that when you go to talk to people that you need money, you can't just, you know, you're not just saying, Hey, I need your money. Yeah. yeah. I say, I, I need your money because I'm going to take your money. And then this is what I'm going to do with your money. And once this happens, we project that your money is going to come back to you. Plus this is what else, this is what also you're also this is the get. result yeah. or we're going to exit for this amount. You know, well, the last pitch deck I put together, I think I'm on version, uh, 10.1.3. So let's <laughs> talk about a living document, that thing. Uh, for our pitch deck? Oh, no, 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 for a past uh, project. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, it's uh, something you can shoot around pretty quick. And I've used Prezi before. Have you ever used Prezi? Yeah, Prezi's all right. It's just, it's kind of goofy. Like, it's kind of bigger than it needs to be. Yeah, I so think it's, yeah. yeah, it's just too much. Nice like, it doesn't need to be that, that weird. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to be that fancy and freaking things flip around nice and everything. It's PDF you can print out. It's like almost that. like, you know, when you're an investor and you're looking at that, you're almost like, oh, okay, they want to impress us with all these animations and stuff, but there's really no substance to this this project, right? What's really great, too, is he has a physical product, too, so you can yeah whip, the, whip something like that out. Yeah, you can ho- hold it and show it. You showed me. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have another. I have that one in, <clears throat> in my bag. Nice. Well, yeah, so, so guys, leave us with... Um, you know, some links, you know, some, however people can get a hold of you, whatever, whatever you're open to talk about. If you got some social media stuff, you got pinkgun.com, obviously, right? Uh, what other channels can they reach out to you? Yeah. So we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, practically anywhere under the same tag, uh, pink at pink gun club. And, uh, yeah, we pretty much share the same kind of content all across all social medias, uh, just in different ways. And uh, not really, not really doing anything different right now other than just hammering out these orders. You know, well, somebody's an investor. Can they just fill out a form on your website or wherever to get a hold of you? No, no. They can fill out. They can reach out to us from the contact form, like uh, contact at pinkgun.com, the contact us, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, more than welcome for that. Um, but I, more than more importantly, I I want to know the investor. Right. You know what I mean. You sit down with them, get to know yeah, them. Yeah. So if yeah. you're in another state, I'm good. Probably yeah. good. Because I've my experience with investors in the past is, is kind of, and then hearing from other people who have raised capital, um, I just want to avoid all of those mistakes, you know. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. So, what 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 sage advice would you leave uh, anyone who's out here? Maybe another kid from Norwood who you know doesn't really have a direction in their life, doesn't know what they want to do. You know, what what would you say to that kid? Jump, jump in, and every single day work on it even if it's just one little task uh and you'll get pulled in and eventually your whole um it'll become your life and uh you just need to have a streak you need to jump in and have a streak i think those are the key things building habits right and um you know when 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 everybody was getting told to hunker down i believe was the was the term uh anthony reached out and says hey let's build something yeah and uh and uh it uh, took off. Well, we might uh, be hunkering down again. So now you got round else. two of trying to do something with yourself. Yeah. What would yours be? I would say if there's anyone listening to this podcast, any of these podcasts, and my advice would be to get up and just 
there's there's always there's always a, a place in your city that does entrepreneurship. And if there's not, then guess what? If you're in, if you're into this, if you're already into this industry and you're listening to people talk about it, and you have a place to go that's near you, go there. Um, if you live in Kentucky and we have entrepreneurships uh, up here in Cincinnati. You can take a day off. I figure it out. I don't know. Figure it out. Yeah. But you need to surround it's yourself. It's an internet with the search people. away. Small business administration, those are everywhere. You have they? to surround yourself with the people who where you want to be or who people who are gonna tell you you can do it. Just type in the word startup in whatever state you live in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you'll then find go it. there. Actually mm-hmm. go there. Don't go drink a beer Friday night. Don't go pick up your buddy. Don't go do nothing. Take your girlfriend, your wife, or go solo. But get out and do something because yeah. I mean what, what else are we here for? I don't think it's ever too late. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, 21 to decide you want to do a starter. You're 36. And don't get to the point to where I you was feel in my like 30s when I started. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just do it. And you got to keep, uh, for me, you got to keep uh, a foot on the ground at the same time. You've got to be able to support yourself while you're building this thing. Otherwise, it becomes something that, at least for me, this is, you know, I, I thought that I would jump in with both feet and um, this thing was going to take off overnight. But like Adam said, you are not going to be making money, you know, five, six, seven, eight months into this project. Uh, it's going to be a long-term thing. So you've got to uh, ease into it. Like, uh, that's right. Like Anthony said here too, he had a bunch of side hustles and uh, he's got a main side hustle. So stick with it. We went to the same high school. Can you tell by the way we talk? <laughs> a little yeah. bit. It's just everybody. It's just everybody talking really slow and yeah, 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 slow yeah, yeah. chill. Deep. Everybody talking slow and deep in the hallways. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Newport Catholic. <laughs> yeah. 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 To, to, you must believe, and we believe. Well, yeah. somebody. Uh, some, to, uh, social studies is in room two. <laughs> I heard a great uh, saying the other day. It said, uh, "Don't grow a wishbone where a backbone should be." Essentially yeah. saying, don't just sit around and wait for something to happen. It's not just going to magically appear. Mm-hmm. Like you got to go out and you got to hustle and yeah. make things happen. And but, you can, if you already have that ambition to think that, if like if you think that that's even a real thing, like there's an actual chance for you, you might as well take that chance. Yeah. Or else you're just going to live where you are forever. And ladies, why didn't you start this business? That's a good question. That is a great question. I mean, Anthony's out here starting a business targeted towards women where are you at, ladies? Where's like, your, why, why aren't you starting businesses like this? Let's leave it at the positive. Yeah. No. Well, I just want to know. No, I, I, the wishbone at the backbone was a great line to end it on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a, so I read the other day, and this is, this is a good stat to motivate. 2.7% of venture capital goes to women. Only 2.7%. We need to change that. How many are giving it? How, what's the percentage of women who are giving it away? I don't know. Well, we're also coming around from how many women are still in the old world of stay at home. They raise their kids, you know, don't bounce into too we many need, walls, We need more women entrepreneurs. That's 100%. And we got something here in town, too, called uh, Aviatra. Aviatra is uh, great. Aviatra? Yep. There we go. They're yeah. right down the street. They're, or maybe they say Aviatra. Um, I don't know. I, I'd say it a couple of different ways. But they're down on Pike Street in yeah, Covington. So that's a powerful asset too for not only big a, time. A lot of that comes down to the fact that most of that VC money is going towards tech companies, and tech that's is right. a male dominated field still. Yeah, for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't. I, didn't, I haven't looked at. The I actually think the percentage of successful startups are run like the. It's higher with women. Oh, I they're think more organized. They're way more organized. Yeah, that's why all my project managers have been women because I suck at that. Yeah, so. <laughs> my wife is a big help in a lot of it. Yep. Oh, my wife's way more organized than I am. Yep. 
So, uh, great uh, idea, Anthony. And uh, be looking out for this company because uh, it's on the rise. All right, everybody. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank Thanks a lot, guys. Us. I appreciate you being here. Hey, buddy. All right. Bye. See you later.